Just to bring greetings from Liverpool. A long way away, but uh, a great place to be. And uh, But I just felt the Lord wanted me to, to bring a verse uh, this morning. Um, it's funny how the Lord can speak to you, you know, and I've enjoyed being uh, with you this morning. It's been lovely just singing and, and loving the Lord. And one of the things we said was, uh, come have your way among us. Uh, we w- welcome you here, Lord Jesus, you know. But sometimes, if we really mean that, come have your way, um, it's not always in the way we think. And uh, I, I sometimes speak at our church, not very often, but I found an old tape, and that shows you how old it is. It was a cassette tape, and uh, it was in the car, and I thought, well, this is it. So I put it on, and it was me. I thought, this is unusual. And, um, and the Lord really spoke to me through me, <laughs> through myself. <laughs> but just, just one thing that the Lord is saying to me at the moment, and I felt that he wanted to say to you, and I, I spoke on fruitfulness, and it was just one of these verses I just want to bring. It says this, um, Jesus is talking about the vine, I am the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. Now that's sense, isn't it? You know, if you have a, a, a branch that doesn't produce fruit, you cut it off. I think that's sensible. But then he goes on to say this. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. And uh, that's hard because if you are bearing fruit or you're doing things that are bearing fruit you say Lord why are you touching them they're successful they're happening they're things that I do that are bearing fruit but Jesus clearly says he, they're the ones he's going to touch and you don't mind him touching the branches that don't bear fruit because you do that in your own garden anything that's dead you take it, take it off But in our lives, when he's touching things, it says here, you have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness. And it says this, my true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. The Lord's touching me at the moment, and he's touching things that are successful in my life, and I don't understand it. And I just felt that I should bring that this morning, you know, that, that don't be surprised if he starts to t- touch things that you're doing well in. Because that's what he says he's going to do. Because he wants more fruit. It might be different fruit. It might be, who knows, because he knows what he's doing. Um, and don't forget we have an enemy who not only doesn't want you to bear fruit, he wants to kill you off. He wants the plant to just finish. And I do think sometimes, you know, the Bible says, be aware, we are aware of the enemy's uh, devices, but sometimes we're not. We're not aware. And I've had to say lately, Lord, make me aware of the enemy's devices. Because not only are you at work, Lord, but the enemy has a strategy. And... uh, and I want to be aware of that so I can say 
as we say up north, get lost. You know, we've got to have that attitude sometimes with the enemy. Shut up and get lost because God's at work in me and you're having no say in it at all. Great to be with you. Thanks for having us. It's an honor and it's a privilege to be here. And before this meeting's out, we're going to see God really move in real power. Um, Sue has no idea what I've prepared this morning. But what I've prepared this morning, the aim of it is this. At the end of this talk, I want to pray for people to release. This is what the Lord kept saying to me. And I, I thought, well, can't you put it in more contemporary English? But I, I just have to tell you as it is. God wants to release a spirit of fruitfulness upon you. I, I don't know whether it will be in the area of your personal life, your economic life, or in your church life. But um, I'm going to ask for people to come out. I'm going to pray for people. And things that you start to move in and touch and approach, you'll start to see uh, the the thing that comes into my mind, the Red Sea opening, opening up. Impossible situations breaking open. Things that you've done before that has borne no fruit, all of a sudden things start to germinate and move and shift and happen. Praise God. I, I mean, many of us have been in those situations where we fish all night and we catch nothing. We absolutely uh, pour our blood, sweat and tears and souls into things and with no apparent result or encouraging sign. Well, I believe that after I've spoken, when we pray for people, that's going to break open. And um, God is going to um, capture the strongholds that prevent growth, that prevent fruitfulness, that prevent resourcing, that re prevent God moving through the activities you do and the engagements that you have. So I really feel to do that. So that's the point of what I'm going to say. Okay? And the, and the other thing is, um, I just uh, sense that at the same time, if you do not know Jesus as your saviour, if you perhaps are sitting there and thinking, what is this all about and what relevance does it have for me? And you've been watching for a while and you're not sure whether to really commit yourself to God. If that's you, at the end of this message, I will be praying a prayer for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. So I really want you to be open to that. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you that this morning you will speak. And Lord, I'm just excited because you're going to move. And in Jesus' name, I pray for healing to be released, for people to be set free from the limiting powers of the enemy, and everything that would squash what you are doing will be broken in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for this word 
that you've just given me to be simple, to be clear, to be effective, and to be life-giving and be a platform for your Holy Spirit to move in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to give a, a good impression, so yeah, uh, not yesterday, but the day before, I went to the hairdressers because I looked very untidy. And I haven't got much there, you see. I've got, a, I've got a little patch there. I'm told by some people the reason that's happened is the flame of the Holy Spirit at some point <laughs> has come on my head and burnt a hole there. So uh, if you can have a look at the back of the heads of any gentleman here who's had that same experience. But anyway, I went to the hairdressers and... Um, and uh, I then went to the prayer meeting on Thursday night, and Tim Morley, which some of you will know, uh, said to me, you remind me of a, a 1980s television program called The Numbskulls, <laughs> that you look like one of the numbskulls. Well, we were in Africa in the 80s, so we've no idea. But my, I got home, and my wife said uh, that when it grows, I'm going to be looking great. So I, I, I'm listening to a good report here. Let's just uh, read the Bible, Mark 6, 34 to 44. Um, it's, um, it's that story when Jesus takes his disciples into the wilderness and he's going to teach them and then thousands of people follow him ahead and they suddenly find themselves in this area where there's no food, no water, no people, no houses, no facilities, no amenities, nothing. And uh, there's, there's 5,000 men, so, and we do know there were children as well because one of them comes into the story. Um, and they don't have, they, Jesus, it says, ministers for a long time. I was just asking uh, what, um, Keith and Barbara, Keith, Barbara, what's the longest meeting that you've ever been to and the longest sermon that you've ever heard? And she said, oh, it was about an hour and so at something like um, one of the Bill Wells meetings, I think. My, the longest period I ever spoke, I, 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 not me, I actually listened to someone preaching, it was seven hours. Seven hours? I can't remember a thing they said. <laughs> but I assure you, I'm not going to be seven hours today. But in this passage, Jesus was speaking for an, enormous, an awful long time, and they needed to eat. So let's read the story. Verse 34 of Mark 6. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now, they're there all day. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and the villages and buy themselves bread, for they've got nothing to eat. For he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, how shall we go and buy food?
for even a hundred denarii worth of bread uh, would not be enough to give to them. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fishes. Verse 39, then he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven, he broke the loaves, he gave to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all, and they all ate and were full up. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish, and those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. I don't suppose the women starved. So there's probably more. Why am I reading this? Because I believe, not just for your church, but in many situations in this country and for many people, we're going to experience uh, times of difficulty, uh, times of um, diminished opportunities. But I believe that it is in these very times of the credit crunch and things like that, that God wants to open the windows of heaven and in the area of his church and his people release a spirit of fruitfulness. You remember that Moses, when he was uh, led by God to lead the people of Israel uh, uh, who were slaves in Egypt, out to the promised land, it says, and God led them by the way of a wilderness. And we find that in Psalm 78, it reports that in the wilderness, God poured out water in abundance, food in abundance, and they just complained. And they just lost faith. And in Psalm 78, verse 19, and this is the title of what I want to say, a question is asked. It says this, Can God, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Against all the odds, against all the pressures, against all the under-resourcing, against all our uh, fears and all our challenges, can God move? Against every setback that faces this church or our church, do we believe that God can not only provide but release abundance in the wilderness? You see, our country, our nation, the world is shaking in its boots because the world economy is, is, is floating all over the place. And there's cuts, tops of cuts and things like this and jobs and uh, under threat. And, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God because he can furnish 
a table in the wilderness. In other words, not only just put on a few sandwiches, but abundance in times of need and challenging times. I was um, uh, about two, I can't remember, about 18 months ago, we had Jim Munson from America up in Liverpool. He wasn't actually at our church. He wanted to film some of the social programs that we have. And he's from, I think he's from the Midwest. But I don't know, I think he's living in Seattle at the moment, which is the West Coast. Well, while he was there, we were sitting in Tim Morley's house, and he happened to mention that he was a bit concerned. Because all his money was in Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae's bank. And he didn't know what he was going to do when he got back home. And as you know, the knock-on effect that that's had, the banking thing, the housing thing, and now, you know, um, in, in our efforts to address that, our great prime minister or ex-prime minister invented this wonderful thing called quantitative easing. And... Uh, and now we, we're looking at paying it back. And you know, you might be worried, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen when, you know, the, the money uh, streams dry up? When the government programs get cut back? Uh, what's going to happen to our schools and our situation and our... Uh, support systems. I'll tell you what's going to happen if you trust in God. God is saying to you today, he will furnish a table before you in the wilderness. Do you believe that? Yes. You know, if I worried about, you know, if you came to our church, it's full of people who've got no money. <laughs> um, and... Uh, you know, if I, if I look to them or the church or whatever for my need and source of supply, I may as well pack in. My source of supply, our source of supply is from the Lord. I look to the hills whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. God's going to help you in this church. This is a new place. And a new, a new time because God is going to do new things. And we're going to pray for people at the end of this talk and we're going to release a spirit of fruitfulness. Isn't it exciting? Yes. I get excited. I can't wait to get over this talk so I can get to <laughs> doing it. But you know, it, it, it could be the financial thing. We had a. a you know, Liverpool is not known to be, uh, in these days, a prosperous city. And we had a lady from Africa come to our church, um, and she, she gave a prophetic word over our church and over our city. And I believe it. She said, this land is going to be like the land of Goshen. Now, you might not know where Goshen is, 
But what, what, what it is, it was a part of Egypt where God's people lived, and, and when all hell broke out in Egypt, God covered Goshen. God blessed Goshen. And it's not that God just wants to bless you and preserve you and look after you while everybody else goes to hell. It's so that you can be a means of supply and resource and blessing and touch the broken and touch the poor and heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free and preach the gospel to the poor and heal the sick. You know, in our church, uh, we're going through a very interesting time. It's almost a comedy. Do you ever have those seasons where there's so many things happening beyond your control, you start laughing? Well, we're going through one of those times. We have, in our church, awesome worship leaders. Absolutely awesome. Within six weeks, they'll all go. They won't be there. One's got a job. Another's got called to Israel. And another one's going on a gap year. And uh, we step back and, and thought, I actually said to Tim, we might have to do church in a different way. We might actually have to do it so it's not mu so music dependent. That was the scale of the impact. Oh, and by the way, our only surviving main worship leader is my wife, who's going in for an arm operation in a, oh, two weeks' time. Unless three weeks' time, is it? But I'll tell you this. In that area... God will put a table in the wilderness. I don't know what your need is in this church. Some people say it's for evangelists, and there may be gaps in this church for what God wants to do, and pray that the Lord of the harvest will send in laborers. Uh, but, you know, believe God that he can raise up table in the wilderness a place where you're isolated a place that is fruitless a place that is dry a place that if God doesn't move you're all going to drop dead that's what a wilderness is you know people in our church uh, I can think of a lady now she'd been through a season she really loves the Lord we'd send her into prisons and, and, and prisoners just pour out and be saved. And then she's been through a season of about 18 months where she hasn't been able to sense God and she's felt dry. She's felt that God's silent and, and, and she's felt unproductive. And there are times we go through like that. And it might be today that uh, you've been through a time where things have been unproductive God seems to have been silent. You've felt a bit isolated. Uh, you need God to speak. 
You need God to move with a fresh wind. Well, we're going to pray at the end of this that God will release a spirit of fruitfulness and you will start to see a table in the wilderness. God can furnish a table in the wilderness. Now, how does God? It's great to know God can do it, isn't it? I like these sermons where, wow, yes, I believe that. God can do it. But I like to know, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? I'm going to tell you how God is going to do it. How God furnishes a table in the wilderness. And we see it. Because just like God took the children of Israel into a wilderness, place of dryness, place of nothing, place that was fruitless, place that was isolated, place that was under-resourced. He takes his disciples into a wilderness. And you see here how he feeds the 5,000 and produces not only their need, but abundance in a place where there's nothing. Okay, and I just want to go through it. How can we see this happen? Well, if we look at this passage, he does three things. He just does a, a number of things. He looks up to heaven. He asks the disciples, what have you actually got? He sits them down in ranks. He delegates to his disciples. He gets them to gather up the fragments. And all these are principles and the mechanism by which God turns a place that's desolate, unproductive, with no sense of God, and starts to shift powers and principalities so things move in reverse. I just want us to think a few of these things. First of all, he looked up to heaven. I don't know about you, my wife will tell you, has told your leaders, whenever there's a problem, I've got at least 16 plans on how to fix it. <laughs> Sometimes my wife will share something with me, and before she's finished sharing what she's been worrying about, I'm telling her the plan of how we can fix it. I don't know whether that ever... And she says, I don't want to know how to fix it. I want you to listen to me. <laughs> Men have a tendency to do that. When they face a problem, they're in, instantly it's, how do we fix it? Have you ever noticed that about men? We've got a good side as well, I have to say that. And so you know, take this situation with the worship group, well, you know, my mind's going ten to the dozen about how we can do this, and, you know, when you're facing a season of dryness, oh, you know, your first port of call, oh, well, I'll do this, I'll go there, I'll ring that, I'll do that, I'll do this, uh, or if you've got a financial problem, I'll do, well, we do this, this, that, and the other. Uh, and it's our natural tendency when we face something that is formidable to think, oh, right, well, we'll do this, that, and the other. We'll clean that. And, you know, the first thing we need to do is look to heaven. Yeah. 
And if, you, if you've got an active mind that is kicking off all the time like mine is, it's quite a difficult thing to say, no, no, I am not going to phone him. I'm not going to write that. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to spend an hour right now on my knees looking to heaven. And, you know, when you sit on your knees and you're looking to heaven, you think, oh, I should be doing something. And even when you look into heaven, you're looking, well, what's the plan, Lord? Maybe there's no plan except you see the face of God. Have you ever thought about Isaiah? He's in a time area where the country's going mad. The religious tone, uh, uh, I mean, the spiritual tone of the nations dipping radically. Even the king, the guy that is supposed to be leading the country, is in a mess. He's a leper. And the, and the country and the situation and the church or the people of God seem to be going through a terrible time. And it says, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know, you're starting a new time, you're in a new place, you're in a new phase. And we, we sat down with the leaders and we threw out a few things that maybe we could really explore. And some of them really felt from the Holy Spirit. But what really needs to happen is a fresh vision of Jesus. Have you ever thought of John? He's, he's been there at the Sea of Galilee. He sees people... Uh, he sees people uh, healed by Jesus. Then he watches him die on the cross. He's there at Pentecost when the fire falls. He's there for the subsequent years where they start to lose count of the amount of people being saved. And they say the church is multiplied. He starts to see the global expansion of the gospel. He comes to the time of some of the Caesars where he's locked up in prison. Then he's stuck in a salt mine and, he, and his age is going, his health is going and, and, and some of these wonderful things that he's written in the gospel are now almost a distant memory and he's thinking, God, what's going on? What's going on? I can remember God when I was a young man. You said, let thy kingdom come. But look what's happening now. And it says this, I got so low that I lay at his feet as dead. And then I saw the Lord. You know, God's here. And as he starts moving, he's going to impart, and it's all part of a process of, of releasing fruitfulness upon you where God is going to touch people 
and you're going to get a fresh vision, not of how to do church, now how to save the world, not how to solve the problems, not how to fulfill the need, but first of all, a fresh vision, encounter, confrontation with Jesus again. The next thing is, he looks to heaven, then he says to the disciples, how many loaves have you got? In other words, don't just sit there and wallow and wait, but use what you've got. When we get back, for example, with this worship situation, Sue's going to have an audition. Is that right? And we're going to explore all sorts of avenues. We're going to see what we've got. We're going to use what we've got and we're going to do what we can. God doesn't bless lazy Christians. He doesn't bless, oh, we can't do anything, so we're doing nothing. No, use what you've got and do what you can. Fresh vision of Jesus. How many loaves have you got? Well, we haven't. Their response was, well, first of all, their response was, we've got nothing. And when we often face a thing like this, what the devil often says is, well, you've got nothing. And then another disciple says, well, we've got something, but it's nowhere near enough. You know, blessed, five blessed loaves and two blessed fishes can produce more fruit than a whole of saints fruit. Do you know that? Something touched by God is more powerful than the abundance of man. I just remember dear old Jacob in the Old Testament and remember that, you know, Jacob in the Old Testament's like the equivalent of Del Boy in East London. He was better than Del Boy. He had a scheme and a plan and the energy to go with it. He was like in the Beano Billy Whiz. He had his finger on every button. His mind was sharp. But I want to tell you, although he could run like Linford Christie to get his own will and move his own agenda, crippled Jacob produced more fruit achieved more things than speedy gondolas Jacob you know when God sometimes cripples us and brings us to our knees and then starts to touch us even the fragments of what we've got contain the power of God 
He sat them down in ranks. I I like this because I came from a background of Christianity which went like this. The spirit blows where it listeth. Obviously, I was brought up on the AV, so when I'm quoting verses, you'll have to forgive me, I'm going back to 1649. (laughs) The spirit bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. We interpreted that scripture to mean, don't plan, don't organize, don't be prepared, just turn up and see what happens. And actually, if you put any form of structure, plan, organization, strategy together, it's the flesh. Have you ever come across that thinking? So, you know, I would never think of having notes because that was the flesh. I'd never think of having an order of service because that would be kicking the Holy Spirit out of the thing. And then one day God said to me, is it spiritual to be disorganized? Is it spiritual to be indisciplined? Is it spiritual to be unprepared? I said, no, Lord, it's actually carnal. And so we have here, this is how God puts a party on and provision on and abundance on where there's nothing. It's people that look to heaven. It's people who use what they have. It's people who are organized. In fact, that word organized, see, it even feels carnal, doesn't it? Organized. Until you look at everything that's made in creation and you realize it actually has a format, a plan, a strategy, a program. It didn't just, it wasn't just chaos that happened by itself. In fact, you could argue that is the theology of evolution, couldn't you? But we won't go there. He sat them down in ranks and he gave to his disciples this, use others. You know, a problem solved, a, a, a problem shared is a problem halved. Learn to be vulnerable to say, I can't do this by myself. This is too big for me. Will you pray for me? Will you, will you get, seek God for me in this? Even when you want to do certain projects or things as a church, think about partnership. Think about delegation. Think about using others. I have some friends, you know, who are running churches and they're not going to make 70. Because they won't allow anybody else to do anything else. They're doing the worship, doing the ministry, doing the pastoring, doing the... I've got a friend who's just started a just started in the Baptist ministry right now and I was saying to my other friend how's he getting on? He said he doesn't think anybody else can do it as good as him. Guess what? 
He's going to be doing everything. Delegate, use others, invest in others, open yourself up to others. Jesus used others. And lastly, gather up the fragments that remain. Don't be wasteful. Forget not the day of small things. Celebrate small victories. Despise not the day of small things, it says. For the, those days are the days where God lays foundations, God lays principles, God lays in people that, where he raises up more of what he wants to do. Why have I spoken on this? Because God wants to release a spirit of fruitfulness on individuals in this church. In a minute, I'm going to ask the music group to come up. And if you feel, it could be that it's an area, it could be economical, it could be that you're worrying about your job or prospects or there's fear with things going on and you don't know how you're going to manage. It may be a bill that you need to pay. It may be that your finances, you don't know where to start. I want to pray for you. We're just going to pray for wisdom, and we're going to pray for a release of fruitfulness. It may be the resourcing for, as a church for you to do new things. It may be the resourcing in the church that you need laborers in a certain way. It, it could be your personal life. It could be that you just feel, I've been going through a dry spell. This lady in our church, let's call her Beryl. Her name isn't Beryl. But I said, how long has this dry spell been going on? Three years, I think. Well, let me just, let me just tell you this. Uh, the wilderness is something you go through. It isn't you live in. And I think you've been there enough. So we started to pray. And God started to come upon her. New, fresh things. Step up the prayer. Step up the prayer in the church. Don't be discouraged. Meant all, all, always not to faint and always to pray. Step up the prayer. See the face of God in a fresh way mobilize the church use people organize and God will put a abundance in a climate of a wilderness for you praise God if you do not know Jesus as your saviour if you do have never asked him to come into your life then you, you're not even on the starting blocks. You need to, Jesus is like an umbrella. And as all these things happen, you're unprotected. You need to ask Jesus, say, Lord, take my life. I want to receive yours. I want you to forgive me for my sin. I want you to empower me with your spirit. So I follow you. So I'm just going to pray this prayer. I wonder if the music group could just uh, come and just play something devotional. If you are just coming and you're not sure or you never have given your life to Jesus, 
I'm just going to pray a prayer. And there'll be gaps in it because you might not know how to pray. So you can use this to say that I'm going to say. But if you know how to pray, just, just tell God that you want to receive him into your life. Let's bow our heads. Father, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to change me. I ask for the Spirit of Jesus to help me to follow you. In Jesus' name.